Great song too. Uh, Everyday Improv is that uh, company, and they cause scenes of chaos and joy in public places. That's their theme: causing scenes of chaos and joy in public places. Uh, that's beautiful. And if you've read any part of this book that we're reading together, you'll realize that Bob is a lot like them. And we'll talk more about that throughout this series. I want to reiterate one thing, uh, kind of a housekeeping thing. Uh, Next week is Pizza with the Pastor. It's uh, basically if you've been coming for a while and you're like, yeah, I kind of like this place, um, but I don't know their story. I don't know kind of their core values or where they feel God's called them to be. And so uh, we encourage you guys to come next week after service. It'll be in the room right over here. Uh, We'll we'll have pizza. It's free. We'll introduce our staff and uh, just more ways to get connected. It's going to be fun. So we encourage you guys to come if you are newer. Uh, read a story, a familiar story of a 33-year-old man, uh, Larry Walters, who decided that he wanted to see the neighborhood from an aerial perspective. So he went down to the local Salvation Army surplus store and bought used weather balloons, tied them to a lawn chair, filled them up with helium, uh, and then took off into the sky. Uh, he took along with him a, a six-pack of beer, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and a BB gun, figuring he could shoot the balloons and he would slowly fade back down to the earth. Uh, He thought it would lift him about 100 feet in the air. Uh, 11,000 feet later, he was terrified. Uh, He he was too terrified to start shooting balloons. And so he he flew straight into Los Angeles International Airport traffic pattern. Uh, So uh, uh, they shut down the runways. Um, It was a big deal, a national story. Soon after he was safely grounded, uh, he was cited by police and reporters gathered and they asked him three questions. They said, were you scared? He said, yes. Would you do it again? No. Why did you do it? And then this line became infamous. Why did you do it? Well, you can't just sit there. (laughs) That was his motivation. You can't just sit there. You got to do something. This series is about us not just sitting there, doing something, acts of love, crazy, wild, untamed faith and love that moves us from our living rooms and our churches into the wild uh, world that God has called us to be in. Mark chapter eight, it'll be on the screens. It says this, they came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. This is a beautiful story, one not uncommon in the life of Christ, but it does bring up a few strange questions for the reader, correct? Like number one, why spit? Okay, I think it's a fair question. Did Jesus need to use spit? Uh, he's Jesus, right? And the second question is, why did it take two healings? Uh, He's Jesus, once again. He's God. He has the power to heal, to make the blind men see. Yet, 
it, he does the first time and it doesn't quite take and he has to touch him again. And we'll get to these questions, but this blind beggar is passed by every day. He is seen as insignificant. You see, in the ancient world, uh, it, it, they weren't just uh, blind beggars that you ignored. They were actually seen as scorn. Uh, they were a, a part of the religious problem in the ancient world because according to the Pharisees of the time, it was this guy must have sinned, his parents must have sinned, and so we've got to get rid of the sin of our nation before the promised Messiah will show up. And here's the promised Messiah showing up and bringing healing to this man. Uh, the beggars were not just a nuisance. They were, in their eyes, the religious people's eyes, they were hindering the blessing of God on their nation. And Jesus goes beyond the religious boundaries here and heals this man. But why did he spit? Jesus actually uses spit a, a lot of times, numerous times in the scriptures for healing. In fact, the chapter before this encounter, he heals someone who's deaf and mute. And so in chapter seven, he heals uh, someone who can't hear or speak. And then in chapter eight, he heals someone who can't see all the faculty, faculties. Uh, he heals someone, both using saliva. Even the name saliva is gross, right? Like just saying the word saliva, like it sounds gross. One possible reason that he uses uh, saliva, I'm going to use spit from now on. One of the reasons he might have used spit as a, it was because in the ancient world, it was seen as a valid treatment plan for blindness, that there was healing properties in our spit and so Jesus here is actually meeting him where he's at and providing hope. It was almost like uh, giving him hope that this will work and I will be able to see. So Jesus here is meeting this man where he's at. And actually, we talked about this a lot last week. And if you want to know more about God meeting us where we are, listen to last week's teaching online. Uh, so Jesus here is meeting them where they're at. Another reason using spit, uh, possibly because he's... Uh, uh, He's really subverting religious tradition of the time. You see, the religious leaders of the time uh, had this commentary, uh, Mishnah, Talmud. They were, it was, it was, we have the scriptures, and then we have all these things that we say about the scriptures to expand upon them. And those became uh, words of the elders or tradition, and they became almost as binding. And so it's, if, the, if the law says, and the, the good book says that you sh shall not work on the Sabbath, well, they'll go, well, what does that mean? And then there's like thousands of pages of commentary, uh, you know, sharing what does that mean? One of the things in the law at this time, one of the traditional religious interpretations was that you could not spit on the ground on the Sabbath. Why? Because when you spit it turns over the soil, right? When it rolls over, it moves the soil from the ground over. So you're actually working by spitting. Ridiculous, right? Jesus thought so too. And so in, perhaps in using saliva spit uh, in healing, in his healing encounters, he's spitting on the religious laws that held people in bondage. He's spitting on the traditions that layered upon slavery upon the people and he's bringing freedom we most li likely don't know or don't encounter people who are blind, can't see on a regular basis. But I contend that some of the people we encounter aren't any less blind, right? Blinded by lust, blinded by materialism, 
blinded by pride or selfishness. And this beggar knew he was blind, and that's often the first step. He knows he's blind and he cries out. But why two healings? Why, why two? <laughs> There's two options there. Either someone smuggled a puppy in their purse into church, or someone loves canines so much that they made their ringtone a dog bark, which is what I think would happen right now. God bless you. I some things like that we just keep going past like a baby starts crying we'll just move right past it we're not going to draw any attention to it but then there's a dog barking in the middle of a church service it was wild oh that was good that was good okay why did it take two healings did jesus try and fail why did the first one not take? We don't know why. But I think sometimes God does miracles in our lives in stages. Uh, that even though we've been touched by God, often we don't see people as God sees them until much later in our lives, right? I, I once read this, that uh, there are two conversions for the Christian. The first conversion is from the world to Christ. Many of us take that step, and it's necessary. Many of us miss the second conversion. The second conversion is from Christ back into the world to show and share his love. Uh, see, this man, when he, Jesus opens his eyes, he sees people as trees. We, we need our eyes to be open, but we don't see them as trees. We see people as opinions. We see people in camps, the good guys, the bad guys. Uh, on our side, not on our side. We see people in color. We see people with boundaries. We see people not as God sees them, but rather in regards to their comments on social issues or social status, their titles, their accomplishments, their behaviors. God calls us to see them as his sons and daughters. Uh, because as Christians, we often get stuck. Uh, we need a second healing. We need a, a second touch of the divine to open up our eyes to see people the way God sees them. A second touch. There's a school teacher who was bypassed for a promotion to, by her administrator, and she went up to the administrator and complained, I have 20 years of experience, and yet you promoted someone who only has two years of experience. It should have been my job. The administrator said, no, you don't have 20 years experience. You have one year of experience 20 times. You're still teaching the same things in the same exact way as you were 20 years ago. You haven't grown in your profession. Christ wants us to grow, develop. He wants our eyes to see new things. And if you're the same Christian you were 5, 10, 20 years ago, uh, the, we're missing the growth that God's called us to. We're missing the wide open world that God is calling us into. What areas can you grow in? Each sermon during this sermon series, we're going to be calling up someone, uh, sharing about some of the wild, untamed love and faith that they're participating in. And uh, it, we're going to highlight some of the ministries and even some opportunities for us to dive in in a greater way. And so I've invited our children's pastor, Brittany, to come up to share about a new opportunity that we have for our church. Good morning. And uh, you'll see on the screens, Breaking the Chains. And so, Britt, would you just share a little bit about what Breaking the Chains is? 
Yes, absolutely. It's an organization here, uh, particularly in Fresno, that someone in our congregation is volunteering in. Um, Breaking the Chains is an organization for women and people in human trafficking that um, helps them break out of that and helps them to find life beyond that. So um, that's what Breaking the Chains is. How how is Prodigal Church looking to partner and help bless this organization? Absolutely. So we were looking to, we were looking for opportunities for practical application for all of us. And we thought, what better than to ask somebody who's already doing that in our congregation, who has a heart to do that and um, knows the needs. And so we asked um, Carol, Carol B., um, what was, what are the needs that we can do? Um, she full well knows the field. She's been a psychi- psychologist for 40 years in Fresno Unified, and now she's been there for three years. And so she told us the needs. Um, the need something we can do. Um, she sees them as soon as they come out. She's the first um, crisis intervention counselor that they see when they come out. And she meets with them and talks with them. And she said the first thing they need is, they. I mean, what, not the first thing. They need her <laughs> and God right now. But what, um, what we can do to help her is, and breaking the chains, is to provide these women with something that smells good. Um, yeah. Perfume, um, body soap, not, um, just something something that makes them feel good. They don't have anything that belongs to them at that point. Um, And they often, breaking the chains does the best that they can, but if we could provide them with soaps, lotions, anything that smells good. Um, So we're working on getting that gathered. So for the next two weeks, we are going to gather um, at the front um, on the foyer. We're gonna gather things that smell good. So anybody can participate in this. men and women, and also what we are looking to get donated is stationary. So for them, they are oftentimes in witness protection um, or in safe houses. And so what they can do is they can write to their loved ones, their children or their parents, and let them know they're okay um, and that they're in good hands. And so they don't have that stationary. So if we can provide them with stationary um, to do that. So that's what we're collecting. That's amazing. And then, yeah, it's... And then tell us a little bit about Ladies' Night Out and Ladies what that'll Night look Out. Like. Okay, so for two weeks, we're going to collect this stuff. And then at the end of those two weeks, uh, the women in our church, mothers, daughters, um, anybody can come. We're going to let you guys know the location. And what we're going to do is Carol's going to bring a couple women that have come through Breaking the Chains um, to that night. And they're going to share their story and um, what that's looked like. And I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. And what that we're going to do that night with them is to put all the stuff you guys gathered into packages and to uh, give them a card that has some encouragement, some scripture on it, um, and to uh, pray over these packages that they would be um, sent with God's blessing and just bless these women. That's amazing. We give Brittany a round of applause. You'll be hearing more about the, this opportunity in Ladies' Night Out coming up in the next couple of weeks. But uh, bring, bring fragrance, bring uh, perfume, bring lotion, uh, bring feminine hygiene products. We're gathering all these kinds of things. And then our women will get together, uh, hear stories, and package that together, pray a blessing. It's going to be an incredible night for the women in our church as we make an impact um, with people who have been uh, in human trafficking. And so that's wild, right? That's, that is untamed love and faith. Beautiful. Um, when I text message, uh, my wife or my kid, my, my son is really into texting. He's four. Uh, 
he's really into texting street names. So he's like, Alluvial Street. And then I'll just get a random Alluvial Street text on my phone. He grabbed my wife's phone, Herndon Street. And then he texted it to me. And uh, uh, when I text message, uh, one of the things I've discovered this is that every, almost every time I, I write the word live, it autocorrects to love. Uh, that live and love are synonymous. Living and loving. And that's the call for us as Christians as followers of Jesus, living and loving. That's our job. It's always been our job. We're, we're supposed to just love the people in front of us. And, and we love without an agenda. When we, when we love just so that they can come to church, that's no longer love. That's loving so that, uh, so that we get what we want. It's loving for a time until they do what we want them to do. No, we love free. We give at the expense of self, not expecting anything in return. As soon as we have an agenda, it's not love. You're acting like you care. Do less of that, and the people will see a lot less of you and more of Jesus. Matthew 25, verse 37. Familiar, familiar passage about the sheeps and the goats. This is at the end of time. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Uh, Bob in his book says, I kind of wish I could just find one guy who is hungry and thirsty, sick, strange, naked, and in jail, and then just go love him, and I kind of kill seven birds with one stone. It doesn't work like that. Jesus is the guy next to you in Starbucks. Jesus is the guy who cuts you off in traffic. Jesus doesn't cut people off, but he's someone else in the cars. Everyone is Jesus. If you've done it to the least of these brothers of mine, you've done it to me. We treat them like we would treat Jesus. It's all of us. It's me. It's you. It's the person next to you in church right now. It's the person who's sitting next to you on the couch. It's the next person who calls your cell phone. I know it's hard to believe, but they're Jesus. Even the ones who look and act so different, they're Jesus. Uh, has a stranger ever asked you guys to take a photo of them? Have you ever been like some kind of a tourist destination or even somewhere else and then a stranger asks you to take a photo of them? Or have you ever asked a stranger, right? You're with someone and you're like, ah, selfie's not going to cut it. Uh, will you take a picture of us? We've all been in a situation like that, hopefully. Uh, what do you do when you need a picture taken of you? You scan the crowd. You scan those surroundings. And you look for a few things, right? Uh, there's a couple qualities you're looking for in the person you ask. Number one, you can't just ask anybody. They have to look normal. That's number one. If they don't look normal, you're not giving them your phone or your camera. Number two, they can't look like they're in a rush. If they're just like, Ooh, ha, they're, they're not interested, okay? Number three, they can't be too young and they can't be too old, <laughs> okay? They got to know how to use the camera that you're giving them. Number four, <clears throat> They should be smiling or laughing. That, you know, if it's between someone who's not smiling and someone who is smiling, I'm giving my phone to the person who's smiling. Now, if you've never been asked to take a photo, you don't have one of those four qualities, okay? <laughs> you probably need to work on that, maybe. Uh, 
The best stranger photo takers are the ones who take multiple photos, right? They hand the phone back to you and they go, by the way, I took like 40 pictures. And you're like, thank you. There's bound to be a good one in there. Thanks a lot. Have you noticed that when people take photographs of each other, the person taking the picture is also smiling? Have you noticed that? I do it too. Someone hands me the photo, the camera, and I go, and they're like, go take a picture of us. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> smile. <laughs> Why do we do that? It's not a selfie. There's joy there. There's joy there. There's unexpected scenes of joy in chaos. Uh, a lot like everybody improv. Check it out for yourself. Uh, someone takes a picture, you're smiling too. And so this is what we want to do. We just want to shake things up a bit. Uh, I want you to stand up and I want you to take a picture of a stranger. Stand up, everybody stand up. And I want you to smile as well. So pull out your camera. We got a little Ed Sheeran photograph on there. Take a picture of a stranger. Take a picture with a stranger and hand your phone to someone that you trust. It's okay, it's safe. This is a scene of unexpected joy. I got in on one. I got it. It's okay to smile. Some of you are going, I don't want to stand up right now. This is awesome. Oh, I wish I had a camera. Look at all these strangers taking pictures together. This is the church. Wonderful. Awesome, awesome. Find your seats. Find your seats. I'm so proud of you guys. I saw strangers hugging each other. That's, that is good. That's, that's beautiful. That's the church. That's the church. That's G You just took a picture with Jesus. You just took a picture with Jesus. My son, Dex, is going to be in kindergarten uh, soon. And I was reading in Bob's book, and Bob's daughter is a kindergarten teacher. And he asked about what kind of grades they give. She says, no, no, it's not A's, B's, and C's. Uh, there's an M, and that means that they've mastered the curriculum. There's a G, that they're at grade level. And then there's an N, not yet. Isn't that beautiful? Nobody fails. Just not yet. <laughs> Dex's favorite words right now are not yet. Dex, it's time to get out of the pool. Not yet, Dad. Not yet. Not yet. Dex, it's time for night-night. Not yet, Dad. Not yet. Not yet. Five more minutes. Not yet. Constantly. God's working on us. And we may not be a finished product, at least not yet. At least not yet. And the people that we interact with that are frustrating, they're in a not yet too. God's still working on them. God's still working on them. I'm going to invite Noe and the worship band to come up. And I'll close with this. A familiar story that I just think has been, that has rocked me over the years. It's a, a fable about the great English actor, Macready. Macready would put on these performances and people from all over Europe, not just England, but Europe would flock to see these performances. Fill out, fill out theaters, left and right. 
And uh, a pastor in the area, McCready was coming into town, and a pastor in the area was, uh, was I got to talk to this guy. And so he goes up to McCready while he's getting ready for a performance, and he says, I've got to know something. I've got to know something. How is it that you present fiction, right? Not reality, performance, and people flock by the thousands and the hundreds to go see you. And every weekend, every Sunday morning, I'm preaching the unchanging truth and word of God, and nobody shows up. And McCready, with a, a slight grin, says, that's easy, it's easy. I present my fiction as though it were truth, and you present your truth as if it were fiction. Do you really believe it? Do you really believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on a cross and rose from the dead and lives in us and, and his spirit is inside of us, moving us, directing us, leading us, whispering to us. If you really believed it, are we presenting the truth of God's word, the truth of the love of the Son of God? Are we presenting that to others as fiction? If so, let's break it out of its cage. Let's, let's live and love the truth in an untamed wild world and go be Jesus and love some people. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you help us do this. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that it's all about you. It's about what you've done. It's about uh, your life. And it's about your heart for the world. Everybody's included. Everybody's our neighbor. We're called to love everybody always. God, we thank you for the ways in which people in our church are doing that. Loving people who have been in human trafficking. Loving kids in our church, in our kids' ministry. Uh, God, people who greet people as they walk in, bringing a smile, bringing joy. I pray that we would bring smiles and joy wherever we go, whether at home, whether at work, whether at Starbucks, whether at lunch after church today, God, may we bring joy wherever we go. God, give us wisdom in how we can make a greater impact in our world for you. And God, we thank you for those going to the other side of the planet to be you there. May they be Jesus when they sit on the flights, when they're waiting at their gates, when they're drained, when they're in a minibus that seats 12, but yet there's 30 people in there. God, may they be Jesus in those tight quarters. May they always represent and show you. Help us to do that in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand together as we close with this song, declaring our love for Jesus, the Son of God. All things have passed away. Your love has stayed the same. Your constant grace remains the cornerstone. Things that we thought were dead are breathing in life again. You cause your sun to Shine on darkest night